The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. We all long to be chosen, to be protected, to be happy, and we long, we long to be loved. And when those longings are unmet, what do we do? I mean, where do we go? Even more, when those longings are met, why is there an even greater ache that remains? Coming up, best-selling author and speaker Sheila Walsh explores the longing in all of us. Sheila Walsh, welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. I'm really excited about this. I get an opportunity now to introduce you to something that honestly has become kind of the passion of my heart over the last two years. Have you ever been in a situation where you think, if only this would happen, then I would be really happy, or if only that would change, or if only I could get this to happen, Lord? And then sometimes those things happen, and you think, why is that ache still there? You know, you can come out of a, an amazing service or you're with um, a small group and you're praying together and you're thanking God and suddenly everyone's gone home and you're, you're left with this kind of ache for more. And you wonder, what is that, Lord? Well, you know, that kind of ache in my own soul led me to write a book called The Longing in Me. And what I've discovered, really, everything that you and I crave is actually leading us directly to the heart of God. So I had this fantastic privilege to, to go to the northern coast of Oregon. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's stunningly beautiful. And, and record for you a series based on the life of David. Now, King David was known as a man after God's own heart. But here's the thing I love. No one would have chosen him. You might remember when Samuel the prophet came and said to his dad, let me see all your boys because one of them's about to be king. They didn't even bother calling David. He's just this little teenager out in the field with the flock. And God said no to every single person until that boy was brought in. So perhaps the longing that you sense in your own life is because God has a greater calling on your life. Watch this. The chronicles of childhood from infancy to leaving home, I think it's safe to say that our high school years rank near the top of the scale when it comes to intensity and longing. That's because many of the feelings we experience during these years are really for the very first time. We long to be liked by our peers. We long to fit in. We long to be someone special. And we long to be loved. When I was in high school, I had a crush on the lab technician in the physics department. I mean, part of me knew he was kind of out of my league. I mean, he was, after all, technically staff, and I was an awkward senior. Even so, I dared to dream. Well, one day, I overheard the popular girl at our school mention his name while I waited in line for the bus. When I learned that he was going to be at the high school dance, I blurted out, oh, that's so great. I mean, I tried to cover my outburst, but with every pathetic word, the popular girl and her friends moved further and further away. <sighs> Mercifully, 
deliverance came in the form of the school bus, which roared slightly louder than me. Well, on the night of the dance, I was dressed and ready three hours before I needed to leave. When I arrived, the music was already playing and people had started to pair up for a slow dance. Well, I just retreated to a corner and pressed my back against the wall, feeling that familiar loneliness creep over me. I looked around the room to find the friend I'd come with, but instead, I saw him walking toward me. The popular girl and her friends were standing on the other side of the hall, watching him and me. My heart pounded out of my chest as he walked right up to me and asked if I wanted to dance. I don't think I even replied. I just took his hand as he led me to the dance floor. I rested my head on his shoulder as we danced. Then for a second, I pulled back and I looked into his lovely brown eyes. And that's when everything changed. I'm so sorry, he said, I, I can't do this. He let go of me and walked over to where the popular girl and her friends were now laughing. It clearly been a dare. And why don't you dance with that awkward girl stunt? I thought of going all carry on them, but I just slipped away and hid in the girls' bathroom until it was time to go home. I mean, even now, I can still remember that sickening feeling in my stomach. My longing to be loved, to be chosen, had betrayed me. I felt so stupid, and I was angry. I was angry with a popular girl. I was angry with her friends. I was angry with the lab technician. Most of all, I was angry with myself for thinking this fairy tale would have a happy ending. We all long to be chosen, to be protected, to be happy, and we long, we long to be loved. And when those longings are unmet, what do we do? I mean, where do we go? Even more, when those longings are met, why is there an even greater ache that remains? I believe that this is a sacred ache, a longing for the very heart of God. I probably should show my hand a little here and let you into a secret I discovered that has changed my life. It helps me understand my past, engage fully in my present, and find hope for the future. It's a staggering truth that will rock your world. No matter how great your longing is for God, it will never, ever, ever compare to God's longing for you. That's my prayer for you today, that you come to embrace this truth and let it sink deep into your heart. David knew firsthand what it was like to not be chosen. He knew what it was like to be the outsider, the unpopular one, the one who got left in the shadows along the wall at the high school dance. Have you ever dared to dream for just a moment that you would get chosen only to be disappointed and reminded one more time that you will never be that girl? I've often wondered if that's why little girls love fairy tales. Is it because they always have a happy ending? 
Maybe it's because we identify with a girl who gets picked, even if she's the least likely one. She's the one who's made to sweep up cinders while her ugly, mean sisters get ready for the ball, and yet she gets chosen in the end. Or she's the one who takes a bite of the poisoned apple, and just as it seems all is lost, the prince arrives, and he saves her. The credits roll, and we imagine they live a perfect life. You know how it goes, happily ever after. These are the stories of our childhood. But it seems today we need that story to take us beyond our childhood into young adulthood. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. I've often wondered how seriously we take that passage. I mean, think about it. We tend to value the most articulate and gifted among us. But God, he has a different set of scales that he uses to measure a life. God, he looks at the heart. These words exactly describe David, the man God chose to be king over all of Israel. Nothing about his early days would have made anyone believe that he would be the chosen one. Even his own father missed it. But then again, so did Samuel, God's prophet. We're introduced to David in person in 1 Samuel chapter 16, but we meet his character before that. In the last conversation that Samuel has with Saul, he tells him his kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And as we come to learn, that man is David. What an incredible commendation from God. It's like a letter of reference from the Most High. I honestly can't think of anything that I want more in life than to be that, to be known as a woman after God's own heart. God instructs Samuel to go to Bethlehem, where he had already chosen a king from Jesse's sons. Jesse was the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth's story in the Bible is really the antithesis of the children of Israel's. She wasn't born an Israelite. She married into the nation. But even after her husband died, she refused to abandon her mother-in-law, Naomi, remember? She traveled with her to Bethlehem saying, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That passionate faithfulness has trickled down through the years and would be found in a teenage boy out watching his father's sheep. God told Samuel to take a female calf and pay a visit to Jesse in Bethlehem. Samuel was to say he'd come to make a sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to attend. God would then show Samuel which of Jesse's sons to anoint as king. Samuel did exactly as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town who came to meet him were trembling because in those days, it was alarming for people to see God's prophet show up unexpectedly. It really is a comment on the times. As one scholar noted, the people were on a long drift from God. Well, word was out that the king, Saul, that they had chosen had turned crazy. And now here stood God's mouthpiece showing up uninvited. Well, Samuel assured them he had simply come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. He invited Jesse and asked him to bring his sons with him. 
When the young men arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest son, and knew he'd found his man. He was the one everyone would have chosen. He was the eldest, he was strong, he's very handsome, but God told Samuel that he'd already rejected him. He didn't pass heart inspection. Well, Jesse offered up the other six sons he'd brought with him, but each time God said no. Finally, Samuel asked Jesse if there were any others. And Jesse replied, well, there's still one more, the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Isn't it interesting that Jesse didn't even think it was worth bringing David out? I mean, after all, who was he? He's just a kid watching the sheep and the goats. Yet while he shepherded in silence, God saw him. How many ministry opportunities do you think David had out in the field? None that you and I would have noticed, but God, he didn't miss one. He heard the Psalms that David sang over the flock. He saw David's courage as he risked his own life to snatch a little lamb from the paw of a bear or a young goat from a lion. He discerned David's heart and knew this teenage boy who would sing in the darkness and fight in the light would be the one he would anoint as King of Israel. I really hope that encourages you as it does me. If you tend to look at other women and compare yourself to them, this story should be a wake-up call to every one of us. I mean, even within the church and parachurch organizations, we often discern wrongly. We're drawn more by charisma than character. But here's the truth. Charisma cracks under pressure, while character doesn't. David never asked to be chosen. He'd been hidden away, serving God with a full heart when God's choice ran like oil over his head. I, on the other hand, had a desperate need in my life to be seen and to be chosen. And when need is in the driver's seat, you can find yourself crashed on the side of the road with destruction all around you, just like me, just like a woman I'll call Mary. I never found out her real name, but I did identify with her story. We were sitting opposite each other, waiting to board a flight. I asked her if she'd mind watching my bag while I went to get a drink of water. And when I got back, she'd moved to sit right beside me. She told me that she'd read one of my books and we had so many things in common. She told me that her dad was a good man, but he was always busy. Even when he was there, he kind of wasn't really there, if you know what she means. She said that when they had special dates, he'd miss them. Now, there was always some good reason, so she never felt she could get mad with him. Over time, she just got used to it. Mary told me that all through high school and college, she longed to find someone who was different, but she kept choosing guys who never kept their word. She always felt she wasn't 
pretty enough or thin enough. She just wasn't enough. At this point, we began to board our flight and I never got to finish my conversation with Mary. By the time we landed and I'd made my way to baggage claim, she was gone. I prayed for Mary a lot that day. I prayed that she would know that God keeps every appointment with his daughters, even when we forget. Have you ever found yourself in a place like Mary's? Have your longings ever landed you right in it? Do you ever find yourself thinking that nothing, nothing will ever change? Well, I want to pause here and acknowledge how truly painful that is. But girls, I don't want to leave you there. As a daughter of the Most High God, I want to tell you that everything, everything could change. It just takes some time and some commitment to begin thinking a new way. For the truth is, the God who created you has chosen you as his beautifully loved daughter. And because of that, you and I, we can take these rejections in our life in stride. I want you to think on that again and again until you begin to believe that more than the lie that you're not worthy of being chosen. The God of the universe has already chosen you and he says that you are his. I mean, that's gotta be the best news there is, that the God of the universe knows you, not the woman beside you or, or the guy that you think does a better job in his, in his workplace, but you. He knows you, he loves you, he sees you. Probably one of our greatest longings to know that. God chooses you. I had such an amazing opportunity. And obviously here, um, we can't show you the whole um, session. And that's why we wanna make um, this available to you. It's a six week study, The Longing in Me. And basically I go through some of my own personal story, some of the stuff that I haven't shared before, a little hard to share, but I, I really believe in being transparent, but then digging deep into the life of David. And it really is my prayer that that would be um, a significant role in helping you understand the longings you have and who God is. But what we'd love to ask you to do is to help us. Because when I began to understand how loved I am, how God has chosen me, I also realized at the same time, I'm not just saved so that I could sit here and wait for Jesus to rescue me, but that I am here as his hands, his feet, his heart, his eyes. And we have some real concerns that we have seen, I've personally seen with my own eyes, this incredible need for clean water. And so what we wanna do is, I wanna show you this because I know if you see this, you'll want to help. So what we're gonna do is, after I've shown you this piece, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how you and I together can make a huge difference. And when you do that, we'll be happy to send you this video series. But please watch this first, would you? Uh, my name is Dufin.
Malaisha kafu. Le kere ngavau kere. Chimana chakafu yare kere. Chimana kane miruru avau. Ajaja rue anu valuvula rue vula. Lahani terak. Ana ajaja rue. Fanimat. Tunrue marau malutu ranu. Tiranu tu malutu. Marare titruai. Ranu tu malutu. Tiranu tuk. Nala he lorahu, amana kuruereu, ye maharera kahi, mikuhak, as tiburkuluzi rahu tiao chimishi tia, tia buaku mamunje la potali fe chimishi, chimanambula hikarakara, michale. sat with these mothers in Africa at the edge of the only water they have. And honestly, even though I thought I knew a lot, um, there's so much I didn't understand. Because sometimes we're tempted to think, well, that's just how life is over there. But honestly, when I sat with some of these moms, they're just like you and me. They have the same hopes, the same dreams for their children. And someone even said to me the other day, well, why don't they just not give the children that dirty water? They have no other choice. They have two choices, not give the children the only water there is, which I've seen, I've had it run through my hands. It's filthy, or give them nothing. And then the children die an extremely painful death of dehydration. So it's almost like they're having to play this prayer game. Dear Jesus, please let one of my children live. And honestly, because I've seen it with my own eyes, I can't, I can't unsee it. I'll never be able until the Lord returns to not want to do something. But here's the amazing thing, guys. You and I can do something and it doesn't even take that much. Do you know that for $48, if you were to give us $48, that would give water, clean water for 10 children. That would be that mom, the three children she has and the two that died. Two families like that would be drinking clean water. Now, if you're ever able to do more for $144, you can give 30 children clean water. But here's what blew me away when I was in Africa. Do you know that it only costs about $4,800 to drill a well? And here's the amazing thing. The reason we call it water for life is, do you know that well will last for 70 years? That means for the entire life of a generation, they will have clean water. We think about the number of times you and I pick up a bottle of water and we think nothing of it. Or we go to the tap and we filter it to make sure that everything's perfect for us. These children are dying for the lack of one glass of clean water. But we can do something. Even if you're watching and you're 15, you're 17, or you're 80 and you think, well, I don't have a ton of money. Give what you can. Any gift will make a difference, so please, will you go to your phones, call that number on your screen, or go on line to lifetoday.org and give the best gift. But we can't turn away 
I mean, one of these days, you and I are going to finally see Jesus face to face. And I want to think there's going to be a lot of children there who are happy and healthy in heaven as they were on earth because we brought them clean water in Jesus' name. Would you do it now? Every day, children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven demonstrations of God's love today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help drill 500 water wells in remote villages in over 15 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 and $144 will help provide fresh water for 30 people for a lifetime. Additionally, just over $378,000 is needed to replace an old and failing drilling rig in Africa. Please consider an additional gift of $100 or more to get a desperately needed new rig in place as soon as possible. With your gift, we'll send you The Stream, a powerful new book by James Robison that charts a clear path for your personal revival and a spiritual revolution. With your gift of $100 or more, please request the Promises of God coffee mugs. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You know, I'm kneeling down here by what is a common water source for little village areas. This river meanders through this part of uh, Central America. And uh, it's the water source. It's contaminated with animal waste. It's uh, contaminated with human waste because they don't have any, any sewage. They have no uh, running water. So they go to the bathroom out here in the, in the bush and the brush. And then it washes here. And people get all kinds of intestinal diseases. And clean water fresh water, that's the answer. And uh, this is what they have now, making them sick, killing a lot of them, very young. But we can give them a fresh water well. You may be able to give one, or give toward it, or give a cup of water that adds up and becomes a well of water. But we need everyone's help. You make a life-giving call today, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Honestly, the greatest takeaway from my African trip was so little can do so much. And remember, when you do give us a gift, we will send you um, the teaching tape, The Longing in Me. We have lots of other gifts that we'd love to just send you for those of you who can perhaps help us more. But please join me every Wednesday here for Wednesdays in the Word. I get to be in this chair then. So we love you, God bless you, we'll see you soon.
Have you ever felt left out, rejected, or uninvited? Lisa Turkhurst reminds us that perfect love never fails. Next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.